Hello, everyone. Long time no see, or should I should say no here. It's been about maybe, what, a month since my last podcast, last recording? This whole COVID thing has really got my head all messed up, and I'm just... I'm, I'm ready to get back into it. So anyway, this is uh, the Solo Nerdbird Podcast, and uh, this is K.S. Garner, I should say. Um, see, I can't even do my intro the same anymore it's all jumbled up but anyway did you like my new intro music i got it from uh tabletopaudio.com um the person tim roven i spoke through i spoke to via uh, email he said it was okay for me to use this i guess you can call it a sound bite if you like it's like 10 minutes long i just cut it into like 30 seconds i i started at 45 seconds into uh, about maybe 30 seconds after so like I guess a minute and 15 but I really really liked that I thought it really worked for this podcast I didn't like from before like 15 episodes before that it's just me go straight into talking I wanted some type of music and I finally got it so here we are in um, June 2020 it's almost July 2020 and just so you know, there's going to be a bunch of fireworks going off because it's almost 4th of July. And they've been going off like crazy almost every night. I'm pretty sure you heard that. Um, almost every night now is almost 4th of July. So it's really to be expected. But anyway, this episode tonight is going to be Inuyasha, the anime TV show, um, season three. Since so I already did season one and season two in the previous episode. That was like a hour and 50 minutes we will not be doing that it would only be uh season three in pretty much every episode so again i'm just gonna go read the uh description of each episode as described on wikipedia because i think that just gives a better description of the episode itself whereas like if you go to netflix or hulu it's kind of like um just a general um, description of it. It's not. It doesn't really go into anything. And honestly, the Wikipedia just does all the. It just it just does everything for me, which I kind of appreciate since it's um, so late at night when I have to do these. I have to do them at night because of everything that goes on during the day. Dogs are running around and whatnot. But anyway, I'm pretty sure you all don't want to hear that. So we'll just go straight into it. So episode one, the stone flower in Shippo's first love. I really liked this episode. It was um, focused on Shippo, who was like the bard almost of the whole group. But I don't think he really gives inspiration like that. I think they all just kind of pick on him and or he's like the wiggling of the group. And so that's what this episode was pretty much about. Uh, I think there's another episode, too, that focuses on Shippo, which I really like. Because, again, they all think of him as the weakling of the group. What he has his strengths. It's just he never really has a chance to show them. So, in this one, upon arriving at another village, Shippo falls in love with a young girl named Sasuke. Sasuke, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Who believes her deceased older brother will return to her someday. As she shows that she possesses a shard of the Shikon jewel, not realizing that it is actually a quartz fragment. The next morning, Tatsuki's brother has incredibly returned to her, but Shippo notices that he is really a lizard demon 
Shippo lets Suzuki escape while he faces off against and easily defeats the Lizard Demon. So the Lizard Demon in this episode uh, was a, a demon they had actually faced before, I believed, but then escaped as off as just a tiny little lizard when Miroku had, um, I guess, attacked it or somehow, or I'm not sure, Maybe it may have been Inuyasha, I'm not sure who it was, they actually defeated the lizard demon initially, but then they go to this town, and Miroku uses his peace, his priest uh, powers, and it actually worked for once, where he wards off demons, and he's like, that's the energy I was sensing, this demonic energy was that, this, this lizard, this little tiny gecko looking demon thing um but the demon lizard or the lizard demon i should say actually tries to use the little girl to lure shippo and then use shippo as like collateral so he as collateral damage what he tried to do with suzuki he tried to do with shippo in order to get the shikon jewels from gagome in the group because he sensed them so that's pretty much is what he does, and it obviously doesn't work. So in episode two, Temptress in the Mist. Miroku and Sango are asked to defeat a demon disguised as a beautiful princess who has been luring men away from a village and stealing their youth. They become separated while entering through a spirit field shield infused in a forest. While Miroku goes across, across the princess... Who comes while Miyoko comes across the princess who welcomes him into her mansion. Songo comes across the men who have aged dramatically due to having their life entry sucked out. Though it seems Miyoko will be the next victim, he is surprisingly able to resist seduction and free the spirit of the princess from the coyote demon that stole it, allowing her to pass on. Songo slays the demon, but at the cost of Hira Katsu? Hira Hira Akisu? I, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I wasn't really paying attention in the episode either. I'm not going to lie. But um, uh, but at what cost of her being cracked, pretty much. Miroku um, and Songo almost have a romantic moment, but he rubs her around again, earning a slap. So you start to see a little bit more of development from Songo towards Miroku, like she actually does have feelings towards him, but it's kind of hiding it because he's still a bit of a pervert in a way. She's like, she wants him to, she wants him to kind of earn it. But yeah, this is the episode where Inuyasha and Kagome and Shippo all kind of take a back seat and let these two have a long time together and allow their feelings to develop for one another. In this episode, it'll come up again, it'll come up again. But in this one, it was just kind of like the beginning of a romantic relationship between the two of Miroku and um, Sangha. Episode 3, Faithful Night in Tojinko? Is that how you pronounce it? it the thing is that in the, the English dub version that I've been... Um, been consistent with because season one and two were on Netflix and they only had the English 
a dub version. So I kind of wanted to be consistent with it and continue on with the English dub version on Hulu, which has all the other has all the, has actually all of the seasons on there. So I figured I'd just keep going with it. And how they pronounce it is different with each voice actor. It's weird. So I'm pronouncing it weird. They may be pronouncing it weird. I mean, more than likely they are because it's in English, whereas it's the authentic way in Japanese, but I'm listening into it in English. So I'm going to be more than likely butchering, butchering a lot of these Japanese words. Anyway, the description goes, Sango leaves to take a notice of three days in order to repair her gigantic boomerang, um, Hira, again, I'm pronouncing it wrong, I'm not even going to say it, it's her giant boomerang, which is obvious, it's gigantic, it's her main weapon that she uses when she attacks demons. The others venture into the mountains to find Niminka, a demonic peace tree bearing the fruit of human faces. Inuyasha has... An unfortunate encounter with Tokijin, a sage who was responsible for nourishing Niminka with human souls being sucked into his bottle gourd. Meanwhile, Kagome, uh, Miroku, and Shippo are brought to the miniature village of Kojinko, where they learn that the villagers are kept there to become sages. So, Songo goes off. Um, to repair her boomerang, her gigantic boomerang. And the others, like I said, venture into the mountains where um, they find this, this demon fruit that's, like it says in the description, that looks like a human face. It's because of um, Tokijin, a sage who, um, who uh, I should say, like it says, it, it sucks the souls of people into his bottle ward. And then he feeds them into the tree. That's what it is. That's how they found out. And, and it turns into uh, fruit. It bears fruit that looks like a human face. It's super weird. And then that garden is like the miniature village. It's a it's a it's a little personal garden that he has in like the basement of his of the house that he's living in. And the other sages that are there. Are other like prisoners of war or um, soldiers that went AWOL, you know, and he gave them false promises like, hey, if you stay here and train, you can become a sage like me. But that's not really the case. But obviously, they don't know that. Um, in the next episode, Faithful Night in Tokijin Part 2, Tokinko? Uh, I'm pronouncing it wrong. Um, though he breaks free from the bottle gore, Inuyasha is unable to fight Tokijin due to being the night of the new moon. While Miroku and Shippo escape from the village, Kagome is captured by Tokijin. Inuyasha finds Kagome and takes her back to Niminko, only to be met by Tokijin yet again. Kagome uses her bow and arrow to remove the shards of the Shikon jewel from Tokijin. In which he is later devoured by Naminka. As Dawn arises, Inuyasha slices Naminka into pieces with the Tetsaiga. So Inuyasha was able to escape. And the thing is, he was able to escape the gore that he was sucked into by summoning the Tetsaiga. But then he was trapped by 
uh, Tokijin by this um, these vines that he had. And again, the vines, I think the, I guess the vines was to wrap him up and the, um, bleed him dry pretty much because it was, like I said, it was the night of the new moon and during the night of the new moon, Inyasha is depleted of all of his uh, demonic powers since he's only half demon. And that's what happens every new moon. They were supposed to lay low, but of course... And Yasha feels like he always has something to prove, so he went on to attack anyway. Um, Miroku and Shippo escape, but Kagome is captured. Yes, yeah, she's captured. Um, she she finds a way of getting a new ball after it's broken because Togijin, when he gets new jewel shards that he took from Kagome, he inserts them into his belly button. So then, like, he becomes. Not super strong, but his punch is incredible. Like, if he hits you with that, I think Inuyasha, he, he hit Inuyasha. He didn't hit him. He, like, body slammed He, like, literally body slammed him into the ground, into, like, the cement. And he was indented into the cement. That's how strong this guy became with new jewel shards. And, like, his whole body became armor. So the thing was... Togijin's former mentor, um, he was the first one, I think he was the first one that was tested with the um, Niminka demon tree. And, um, but he was still alive. And the little magic he had left, he depleted it to turn himself into a bow for Gagame. So she used her new bow and arrow, to, like the one she had left. And she aimed it and shot it into Tokijin's belly button to get the jewel shards out. And I think any other jewel shards that he had, they got rid of too. And then he became full human. They go over a ledge at some point too. Um, but of course, Inuyasha, by the time, coincidentally, by the time, you know, he seems like he's dead, he's not because the sun has. Um, come up now it's no longer a new moon he gets his demonic powers he destroys Niminka and Tokijin I think Tokijin was actually devoured by the tree I think he was but it, it doesn't matter anymore because they were both destroyed by the test Tiger and then they all live happily ever after <laughs> uh, the next uh, episode is the beautiful sister apprentices apprentices so Songo never returns with them during this whole episode. It, she's still back in her uh, demon, hunting, demon, demon hunting village. So while her weapon is now being fixed, Songo finds herself delayed by two sisters, Serena and Sus uh, Susana, seeking to become her apprentices. Nevertheless, when the duo steal equipment for weapons, they had yet to be that yet to be purified, they are unaware that there are hundreds of demons that would be attracted by the demonic era of the materials. Songo ends up having to save two of them from the demons, and Inuyasha and the others arrive to retrieve her. So what happened is that Songo and Kirara are in the village, and um, she's laying everyone to rest, those who have her brother and um, her other comrades, not her brother, but her father and her other comrades that have died by the hands of Niroku, uh, Naraku. 
they're laying them to rest and she's um just doing her duties that she normally would do around her village when she initially lived there and then Kirara actually attacks one of the these sisters who um is actually trespassing in the village and they pass themselves off as um not refugees but you know sisters who like are starving you know they're thirsty and they're looking for shelter and they I don't think they're lying about that part you know and they beg Songo to teach them how to be a demon slayer like her so Songo uh, eventually relents and teaches them what it was all a ruse because come to find out they're actually like ninjas and they steal a bunch of these demon artifacts that have not been purified. So when they steal them under Songo's nose, it attracts a bunch of demons, like hundreds, like I said, hundreds of demons to them, and they don't know how to use them. They don't know how to defend themselves against these demons either. And they're, they're having their own little issues because um, the older sister is not as good as the younger sister, but. There's flashbacks of um, what their father told them, like, hey, as long as you stick together, you'll be fine. Or you should pursue the things that make you happy. You don't have to be a ninja. And their dynamic reminds Songo of her and her her and her brother, um, who comes back up again, um, who is, I should say, what is, what is the word? Um, under a spell by Naraku, so she's still conflicted with what she's going to do with her brother. But again, she goes to save them from the demons and Inuyasha, and she didn't always help her as well. But it just brings up her brother again, which is not something she is want that she wants to again. I think she wants to use a lot of this demon hunting as an excuse, but eventually she's going to have to deal with her brother. So. Next episode, the 50-year-old curse of the Dark Priestess. Uh, Kadara summons the Dark Priestess Tsubaki in the presence of Naraku, who offers his fragment of the Shikon Jewel to her. In exchange, Tsubaki curses Kagome using her snake-like demon puppet. Don't know his name. I'm not going to sit there and try and pronounce it. <laughs> uh, as her shards of the Shikon Jewel are tainted black, and are merged within her, Kagome is forced under Tsubaki's hypnosis. Um, though she is given the order to kill Inuyasha, Kagome tries her best to resist doing so. So what happens is Kagome actually goes back home to uh, present Tokyo, Japan. And then when she comes back through the well, um, the demon snake puppet, Tsubaki's demon snake actually bites Kagome, but it's like under this disguise in the grass which she never saw. She thinks it's like a bug bite, like a mosquito bite or something like that. But they sense a demon in somewhere around here, but he couldn't see it, so they was like, oh, just forget it. But then, you know, at some point they all go to bed and they wake up and it's just Kagome in, in Yuasha and she's got this bow and arrow, her bow and arrow pointed directly at Inuyasha. Now, when Gagome pulls, like when she releases the 
this arrow, it's more likely it's going to hit him because especially she's under this strong hypnosis, more than likely it's going to hit. She's not distracted by anything. And there's only the two of them in there. It's going to hit him if she wants it to. And the thing is, she doesn't want it to. It's like the little bit of agency that she has left, she tries to use to warn you y'all should run. So, because I don't want to, I don't want to hit you with this, right? So, in the next episode, Kikyo and the Dark Priestess, uh, as Tsubaki controls the body of Kagome to kill Inuyasha, she is interrupted by Kikyo, who passes through the barrier with ease. Meanwhile, Inuyasha takes a weakened Kagome to the whereabouts of Tsubaki, sensing the tainted fragment of the Shikon Jewel, later being able to break the barrier. K- uh, Kikyo wants her former nemesis not to be not to underestimate her reincarnation. Kikyo promises that Tsubaki will be killed only if Inuyasha is there to be harmed. So using Kome as collateral, Tsubaki threatens Inuyasha not to draw his sword. Um, so if that's pretty much what happens. Like Kikyo, um, not Kikyo. Uh, yeah, it is Kikyo who breaks through the barrier and realizes that she doesn't really care about Kagome, but she realizes that. Uh, Tsubaki is using Kagome to hurt Inuyasha. She threatens Tsubaki, like, don't hurt him, or you're going to deal with me. Right? And Tsubaki is not really pressed about her in the beginning. Like, she's like, you know, whatever, really. Um, Yeah, I think that's pretty much it with that. Again, like, like it says in, in the description, like, Tsubaki uses Kagome as collateral. Like, if you draw your sword, I'm a killer. But he can't just let Tsubaki do whatever he want her to do. Right? And then, like, apparently there's history between Tsubaki and Kikyo, which they end up getting into later in the episodes. With this one, it was weird because what I don't like about anime is that it's so much you it's only so much you can do in like twenty four minutes per episode, but there's an entire story to tell, so a lot of it is broken up into like three, four, five, six episodes before it's finally resolved uh typically from i mean from the first two seasons, it was like maybe three episodes. Until it was resolved. I think three was the most. This is like four or five. You know, in this third episode here, uh, Tsubaki's unrelenting evil spell. While Inuyasha is distracted by a demon summoned by Tsubaki, Kagome struggles as she tries to break the curse. She dreams of her life if she had never met Inuyasha, waking up after seeing an illusion of Kikyo. As Tsubaki... Diverts Inuyasha, Miroku, and Songo with a raid of summoned demons. She sends that demon puppet after Gagome. However, Tsubaki is defeated by Gagome. As Gagome reflects Tsubaki's attack back at her exactly as Kikyo did 50 years ago. So, what happened 50 years ago is that Tsubaki tried to take the Shikon jewels from Gagome. Like everybody tried to. And... Like it says in the description, Kikyo fired, she she deflected, you know, she, she threw the curse right back at her. So whatever curse, it was, it was a snake pretty much is what happened. She, um, 
threw the snake back at her. And it went right into her eye. And it destroyed her youth. And the thing, what, what happened was, that they explained later is that Shubaki's mentor didn't want her having the cheek on Joel. I think he knew that she was in a pure part. That she couldn't have it. Right? So he ended up giving it to Kikyo. And Tsubaki felt really bitter about it. And she tried to take it back from her. And obviously it didn't work. Um, as far as the illusion that Kiki, um, that Kagome has. Um, like it says, she wakes up at home. And none of this stuff ever happened. She never met any Yasha. She never went back to the feudal area. Um, it's where she ends up seeing Songo and Miroku. I don't think she even noticed them. But she, she felt like she noticed them it was weird um and then she ended up going to this archery place where she met she met Kikyo and Kikyo started asking her things about like her identity like who are you are you supposed to meet me like why are you here and things like that but she ends up waking up because of Kikyo appearing in her illusion and um, I guess bringing her back to the feudal area, bringing her back into this reality, not the reality present day, but the reality of the feudal area era and being with Inuyasha, right? So the next episode is the red and white priestesses. As Tsubaki flees with her fragment of the Shukon jewel, she returns to the shrine where she once strained. She tricks... Um, Momoji and Botan, uh, two young priestesses, into believing that Inuyasha and his um, companions are the enemies, referring to Inuyasha as a demon to be slain. The two managed to set strands of to get strands of hair from Inuyasha and Kagome to create giant dolls in their image and likeness. Inuyasha later destroys the dolls by executing the Windscar. This was pretty funny. Um, the big dolls they used. Were like, um, I think they're called Ch- um, Jahibli, almost kind of like those. It was really, really cute, um, exaggerated versions of Inuyasha and Kagome. And it's, they were meant to uh, defend and attack, um, defend against and attack Inuyasha and Kagome. But it was like, it was kind of like, uh, uh, useless almost in a way it was kind of like you know what what is this it was almost offensive in a way like um kagome was angry in the face like, i don't look like that you know in in uh and, you know, she's like oh i don't sound like that i don't do i don't do stuff like that and it's like songo and miroku and shippo it's like it looks dead on like what are you talking about and these two girls are so naive and they're actually pretty distracted by shippo they're like oh and kirara I was like, oh, how cute are they? Like, oh, oh, and, um, I forget her name. But, um, Kikyo's sister was there, too. And she's trying to talk to them like, I'm a priestess. And they thought she was a demon, too. (laughs) I guess because she only has the one eye and she was traveling with them. But it's like, what are you doing? And then they had the big barrier up behind them, the two priestesses. And, you know, she kept trying to get past it. And... The sister was like, stop. Like, this is a, we have, me and um, Miroku have to take it down. So just chill out for a second. When we, once we take it down, you can pass. 
And obviously they end up passing to go into the shrine. Um, the next episode, Giant Ogre of the Forbidden Tower, Inyashikagome, Sango, and Kaede is her name. Kaede pass uh pace, I'm sorry, pace to the shrine in search of Tsubaki's whereabouts. Elsewhere, Miroku and Shibo are to convince Botan and Momiji Mom yeah, Momiji that Tsubaku is the true Tsubaku is the true misgrant. Um, it is seen that Tsubaki has freed an Oni from the Forbidden Tower of the Shrine, absorbing it to gain its power. Tsubaki's newly found Orish Ogreish Orish <laughs> Ogreish abilities are proven significant until Inuyasha unleashes the backslash wave. The defeated priestess loses her et eternal beauty when a fragment of the Shikon Jewel is taken away from her. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it that happens. It's like I was expecting this. I was I was expecting an ogre, but it was just like a dead soldier that came out of there, and Inuyasha defeated it pretty easily um, and got it out. I mean, there was nothing that really could be done. You know, he got rid of it pretty easily. You know, she thought, you know, it's like I, I thought when they went into it that it was going to be this huge monster and it really wasn't. I was kind of let down by that. It was kind of like anticlimactic. But anyway, uh, Farewell Days of My Youth. Inuyasha and his companions, after uh, defeating a demon in a town, are invited to a banquet as a reward. Oddly enough, um, Miyoga, the flea servant, returns as a series of strange occurrences ensue. Sango, Miroku, and Inuyasha are all possessed uh, one after another, experiencing unorthodox behavior. Little do they know uh, Shoga. A female flea is responsible for this, all in the desire of marrying Miyogi. So yeah, they um, defeat a demon and town invites them back to, as a, to a banquet as a reward. And like it says, one by one, they all um, become possessed. I think it was Songo first, and then Miroku. Um, who was, I think, Inuyasha was next after that. Um, I think what put him down was, um, when Kagome says sit. I think that's what put him down. Um, but everyone else, it was just eventually, you just had to hold him down, and eventually it would, it would stop. But, um, it was a female flea, Shoga, who wanted to marry Miyoga, and he kept running off. You know, so it, that was like, it's like almost like a filler episode. It was, I mean, it was cute. It's nice to see stuff like that that doesn't really involve too much action after like four or five episodes of this long issue was finally resolved. You can move on to something else. It's just like, whatever, another day being Demon Slayers looking after shards, looking for shards of the Shikon Jewel. Naraku's uh, Barrier, Kagura's Decision. The barrier of Naraku is mysteriously weakened, which allows Inuyasha and Koga to finally detect the demon by scent. 
Kana tells uh, Kagura that Koga is approaching. Kagura entraps Koga in a whirlwind of skeletons. Kagura manages to cut out the shards of the Shigonju from Koga's legs, albeit he tries to overtake her. Kagura then must decide whether or not she should betray her master. She goes to Shishomaru, proposing the offer of the obtained shards of the Shikonju in exchange for the death of Naraku. Um, she captures Koga. I mean, Koga beats Inuyasha there because he's stupid fast, uh, especially with the, with the jewels. And then he gets caught in the whirlwind. Um, by uh, Kagura takes the jewels out and he's pretty much useless after that the thing is Kana warns Kagura not to leave the castle even though Naraku isn't there and the barrier has been weakened like it, you don't know like why is the barrier weakened it's never been weakened before and then you end up finding out that you know Naraku has to leave periodically to strengthen himself, just like how um, in Yasha, every new moon, he loses his demonic powers. He's half demon. That's pretty much what it is. It's like Naraku's half demon, like in Yasha. So what you find out, what, what Kagura finds out, she never realized that, even though she's um, essence of like his essence. She's made of essence from him. She's not her own person or own demon or her own being she's connected with him and so is Kana and she tries to get out of it she's like you know this whole feud with Inuyasha and Kikyo it's like it's stupid to her she wants to get out of it she wants to be able to do her own thing and she can't with her connection with Naraku so she tries to get out of that she tries to uh, recruit Shishomaru and he's like I have no need for those like I don't need that like if anything you do you know there's no benefit in me helping you get out of your basically your enslavement to Naraku only you can and when you are ready to leave when you see an opening you need to be the one to do it I'm not doing it for you so that's what that's what that was and then like when she went back to the castle um, I'm guessing Kana snitched on her. I'm guessing she did. Oh, I don't know if Naraku knew that she was gone. But she was summoned down to the basement. The only thing she knew was there. And she saw that um, Naraku actually had never left. He was always there. And that's when they found out. She, that's when she found out he was um, half demon. He was like, if you ever try to leave again, I'll just suck you back into my body again. And you won't have a body anymore. You won't be you won't have to worry about following my orders anymore that you don't want to follow. I'll just suck you back into my body. And she was like, No, 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 I'll listen. But obviously she's still trying to find a way to get out of that. Um The Howling Wind of Betrayal is the next episode. As Shishomaru declines her notion, Kagura depart departs in disappointment. Uh, Koga finds Kagura trying to requite. Oh no! Um, Koga finds Kagura trying to requite. I don't know how to say this, but uh, for his stolen shards of the Shikon Jewel, only to end up defeated once more. 
As the sun rises, Kagura discovers that Inuyasha reversed the human form on the night of the new moon. Uh, Kagura does not inform Naraku of this, as it is observed that he is also half-demon, undergoing a horrifying transformation of his own. Naraku threatens her life again, seemingly aware of her betrayal. Basically what I just said, like, I don't know how he ended up finding out about it, but he is aware of her betrayal of leaving the castle when he... Um, was pretty much in, in um, out of commission. Um, and she finds out about Inuyasha's secret that he's half-demon and that he loses his power um, on certain nights, but she doesn't reveal it to him. Um, at that point, Inuyasha didn't really care. And it was nice that um, they went and helped Koga even though, um, when he lost his jewel shards. He ended up getting it back, though, so they didn't care anymore. At least, no, she didn't care no more. Next episode, Shippo gets an angry challenge. Again, another Shippo episode, which I am loving. Shippo receives a letter issuing a challenge against Sultan, the last surviving member of the Thunder Brothers tribe. The Thunder Brothers from, uh, I think it was season one, I believe. Yeah, because that's when we met Shippo. Shiva was soon captured by Sultan. Um, much to his dismay, Miraku and Sanko fall into a trap set up by Koru. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's like a little um a little tiny dragon. Uh demon dragon, I guess. Um Sultan's Yeah, the, the dragon partner, that's what it is. However, the plan backfires with Inuyasha and Kagome as uh, Koru is declared vulnerable against them. After enlightening Sultan with his art, Shippo duels against her with a handful of crayons as the prize. After the crayons are given by Shippo, Sultan develops a crush for him. It's, it was a really cute episode. Kind of like how the first episode was with his, um, he had fallen in love with that girl. And it's like, how old is he? You know, he's seen, he he presents himself as, I don't think he presents himself, but I think that's something that he can't help, that he's this little fox demon, and that everybody thinks him cute, thinks he's cute and no one takes him seriously, that's not really his fault, but then again, like, he's not as powerful as the others, if he was this powerful fox demon that could slay anyone that comes across his path, then it'd be different. But he's just he's like this little baby fox demon that everybody thinks they can take advantage of. And then you got this little girl. Everybody thought it was a little boy. Because the other brother, one of the other brothers, had a long hair tied up in a ponytail just like she did. And is a was a guy. Identified as a guy. So everybody just assumed this was another brother when it was actually a sister. And then the whole thing with the, the, the dragon partner, um, if you hit it on the head three times, it turns into a thundercloud. And the thundercloud ended up striking Inuyasha, but it didn't hurt Inuyasha at all. It was like, he didn't feel nothing. <laughs> so it ended up, you know, revealing himself as vulnerable against them, like it says, because it didn't do nothing to him. It was like little kids... The the worst they could do is probably kick you in the shin or like he bite you in the nuts or something. But it's like you can't really hurt me, which I thought was really, I thought it was just really cute. Again, it breaks up 
um, a lot of the seriousness, a lot of the violence, and it's something funny. But it's not as violent, it's not as serious, you know, and you just have to wait until next week to really get back into the story. Something really cute, and just like I said, like it's just another day with the Demon Hunters. The next episode, Terror of the Faceless Man. Kagome resumes her life in the present time, catching up with her academic studies and social life. Meanwhile, Naraku decides to expel Unigumo from within him for good, but it unexpectedly takes on a life of its own for another, as another incarnation. The incarnation steals the face and name of a monk named Muso and wreaks havoc across the countryside. Muso is uncertain of his true desires until he sees Kagome as returned to the past. So, um, Kagome, uh, Kagome's away. Um, they find these, well, while Kagome's away, the group finds these, like, these bodies, but they don't have faces. It's, it's weird, and they, obviously they're all dead. And then Muso is that monk... That was like, he was an apprentice monk, I guess you can call it, under the other monk from when um, Kikyo was confronted by a monk. I think she ends up killing him. And then he was with another, like another monk that worked underneath him, if you remember that episode. So when Kikyo was confronted by a monk, he tried to expel her. It didn't work. He had another monk with him that was under him, like almost like um, an apprenticeship. That monk ended up running off and running into Inuyasha and Miroku and recalling that her name was Kikyo. And that's how uh, Inuyasha and Kikyo ended up meeting back up again because she was stealing souls. So that young monk that met with Inuyasha that one time, that's his name is Musa. I don't think I ever... I don't think I read that his name was Muso when I did the previous season. I don't I don't remember his name being Muso. Muso. Anyway, that's his name. He took his face in his name. His name was Muso. Um, he wreaks havoc. He is Muso is burning down villages and just taking whatever he wants, and he feels unfulfilled by everything. Um, and he doesn't understand. Like, um, I need something else. I need something else. What is it that I truly want? And then he sees Kagome. And he sees Kagome. He thinks of Kikyo. And he's thinking of Kikyo from Uniguma. Who um, is now Naraku. And then it's just like he has to have her. He has to have her. So he's still thinking of her. Even though Naraku's still kind of thinking of her. Even though um, Uniguma or now uh, Musa was no longer part of him. He physically expelled him, but psychologically, he not dead. He psychologically, she's still within him. And he's still thinking about her, right? Uh, next episode, Unigumo, Unigumo's memory restored. Inuyasha slices Musa to pieces using the Linscar, unknowing that Musa can slowly uh, reconstruct. Can, that Muso can slowly reconstitutes himself, re slowly constitutes himself. Is that what you mean? While Inuyasha, Miroku, Songo, and Shippo encounter Kagura, Kagome, and uh, Kaede to investigate Unigumo's cave once again, 
where it is found out that Muso is headed that way as well. Muso's memory has been restored, recalling the birth of Naraku. So again, they just retell the story um, that was already told before in the previous season about how Unugumo was injured. He was badly burned. And Kikyo and Kaede discovered him in that cave and they patched him back up again. They fed him, uh, provided him medicine and shelter. And he ended up falling in love with Kikyo. And he also noticed he had the Shikon Jewel. So he wanted her and the Shikon Jewel. Um, but he was too weak. So he summoned demons to come and take over his body. Which ended up consuming him completely. Turning him into Naraku. And he didn't end up getting either one. He didn't get the jewels or or Kikyo. That's what happened. But they're trying to... The thing is... When they confront him and attack him, they're slicing him up into pieces and pieces and pieces. And Yashi is with the Tessaika, but it's not working because he needs to penetrate the um, the back that 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 spider symbol on his back. The same thing that um, Naraku has, which they end up talking about in the next episode. Uh, Three sided battle to the death. Muso continues to regenerate himself each time Inuyasha destroys him. Naraku discovers that while he can bring himself to kill Kikyo, he is weak without Unigumo's presence within him. When Inuyasha finally finds Naraku, the two begin to fight. As Muso pierces the body of Naraku, this enables the latter to reabsorb the former. This exposes the starling secret that Naraku is a half-demon, however different from that of Inuyasha. So, what he th- what Naraku threatened to do to Kagura, he actually does to Muso. So Muso runs away, like he doesn't want to go back into um, Naraku's body. He runs away, but for whatever reason, he comes back because his ego, like he doesn't want to feel like he's running away. That. Um, Naraku doesn't power over him and he wants to try to destroy him himself. But that was kind of part of Naraku's plan. Like, he knew he was going to come back and he just reabsorbed him back into his body. And Muso wasn't strong enough to pull away from him. And Naraku was not strong enough to fight him. So he just rather just absorb him. But that showed Kagura, like, hey, if you cross me, I'm just going to absorb you back into my body. So he showed her what he threatened her with. But it also revealed to the party that he was also a half-demon. Um, the next episode, Toto Sai's rigid training. Inuyasha decides to visit Toto Sai in hopes of finding a method to break barriers. Given the opportunity to help prepare a bath, Toto Sai indoctrinates... Indoctrinates... Whatever. Um, Inuyasha to accompany uh, Bunza, a young lynx demon messenger, in fetching some water as well as chopping firewood to later unite to save Bunza's father trapped in a barrier made by Nanofushi? Uh, I don't know. A mantis demon who was destroying the village of the lynx demon drive. Um, so Inuyasha goes there. He tries to get training on how to break barriers with the Tessaiga. Um, He thinks that the chores Totosai gives him 
were helping with that, but they're actually just shorts. Like he just wanted to take a bath. That's what it was. So he needed water from the lake or river, whatever you want to call it, and fresh firewood. So he goes and fetch those. Um, uh, not recipe. I've been playing too much Animal Crossing. Not recipe, but those. Um, I, he just needed those components. That's what he needed to take a bath, right? Um, and Bunsai accompanies him. So they go and do these things and like Bunsai's working three times as harder as Inuyasha. That's only because he's smaller than him. And then Bunsai describes like why he needs to learn how to break barriers because of what's going on with his village and his father being trapped inside and that they have to break it to free him or he's, he's like slowly dying. So then, um, he goes with Bunza to help with his father, and then he, I guess them working together, and the the Tessiger recognize realizing, and even maybe his Inuyasha's demonic, demonic powers, like realizing that if he does this for good, that it'll work. Like, you're not doing it because it's something that you need to learn. You're doing it because someone is in need. You you know, they need help. You know, you're aiding them to... You're, you're doing this for the greater good. You know, and that's that's how a lot of other stuff, like the, like the wind scar, the backslash wave, you're, you're doing it for good. You're not doing it just to, as a new trick on your tool belt. You know, so that's when it works and he learns how to break barriers. So now he can actually break... Naraku's barriers, which is something he, um, Naraku later finds out that he's able to do. Um, the next episode is, uh, Shiori's family and Inuyasha's feelings. Uh, Miyoko offers Inuyasha a method so that he can gain the power to break barriers. This involves traveling to a village in order to defeat and absorb the blood of a bat demon Known for creating impenetrable barriers. It is explained that a bat demon named Shiori was given to her grandfather. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce his name because it's hard to pronounce. The leader of the bat demon clan. To ensure peace between the, op- the opposing sides. Inuyasha is left conflicted. Shiori is a half demon just like him and an innocent little girl. But he needs to gain the power to break barriers. So they get there. And they, re- they, they realize that this town is being attacked by bad demons. They're constantly being attacked by bad demons. So what they end up finding out is that Shiori was uh, a half demon, half bat demon. That lived there. And that it was her grandfather's clan, the bat clan, that comes and, and attacks them. But from what they're told by her mother is that, you know, they're not supposed to be here. Like, the whole point of me giving her up was so they wouldn't attack us anymore. But obviously he lied. And um, her father, Shiori's father, um, was the one that protected us because of Shiori. And it was before Shiori was even born. Right? So they go to try to retrieve... Shiori back. At least so Inuyasha could kill her. But they have to they have to get her first. Obviously that doesn't happen. Um the grandfather reveals that I need her here to protect me. 
because she's of my blood. Like, that's just how it works. Like, I need somebody else here with me. And, of course, I went back on my word with the humans. They're humans. They don't mean anything to me. And she already does what she can to protect them. Like, you know, this is what I have to do in order to protect my mother. That's basically what it was. It's not even to protect the people of the village. It's to protect her mother. Because that's the only person that ever cared about her. Everyone else always made fun of her. They bullied her. They assaulted her. Harassed her on a regular basis. But then come to find out from the grandfather that he actually killed her father because he threatened to leave. You know? Like, stop. You need to leave her alone. You can't have her. You can't have her mom. You can't have those villagers. Leave everyone alone. So he ended up killing him. Um, and from what I remember... Um, I think, I think he broke the barrier, right? He broke the, Inuyasha broke the barrier and she already ended up going back with her mom, but then like the grandfather wasn't finished. Like he was still, I think he went into this orb thing that she had. I think he went into it so he could save himself, but then he wasn't finished with her so he could still attack her even though he wasn't in his physical form like that's how powerful he was but then like Inuyasha ends up he ends up he ends up killing it like he ends up getting what he needs to get the blood into his sword so now he has the power to break barriers and he didn't have to kill the little girl to to get it the next episode the red tassaga breaks the barrier Basically, what I just said, it just continues on this. Um, the grandfather continues to demolish the village while relying on the guardian powers of Shiori to shield himself. Using the heirloom red orb, that orb I talked about, called the red coral system. Oh, crystal, I'm sorry. Red coral crystal. And Yoshi emphasizes with Shiori. Uh, recalling of his gruesome childhood past when Shiori discovers... Her grandfather is responsible for the death of her father. She provides Inuyasha the means to annihilate her grandfather by act of the backslash wave and to acquire the ability to break barriers by destroying the blood crystal, blood coral crystal. It it explains better than what I just said, but I I already said it. Next, <laughs> the plot of the panther uh, Devis. I think that's how you say it. A group of panther demons come after Gagome in search for her shards of the Shikon Jewel. Shishomaru encounters Torin, the ice panther Devon, Deva, who reminds him of the defeat of the panther king in the in the hands of Inu Inu no Taisho. Taisho, I think that's how you say it. Uh, meanwhile, Inuyasha, Miroku, and Sago encounter Karan and Shuran, the fire and lightning panther Dallas, who distract the three to allow Shuran the floral shoot Shanran? Sh- Shanran? It's Shuran and Sharon, I guess. The floral panther Dubai to have Kagome kidnapped. All of them are to meet up and fight at the castle of the Panther Devas, all to seek revenge for the Panther King. 
So what happens is um, they all try to attack at the main village where um, where the well and stuff is there too. Um, is I forgot his name, but he's Moroku's servant or whatever. He's like the big uh, blimp thing that flies around that they want when they want to fly around. That's who they fly around on on his back and he's like a raccoon type demon thing um he comes running in scared and he's like they're coming they're coming they're coming he warns them that these cats are coming it's the panthers the panther demons they come and they attack and they're overwhelmed by how strong the group is so they run away and then um it was all as a distraction i think it was kind of sort of like a distraction in a way um because one of the other panther demons goes to Shishomaru, who's not that far away, with Jockin and Ren. And lets him know, like, hey, you need to come to um, the castle. You've pretty much been summoned, even challenged, in the name of the former panther king. And that's what they do. So he, Shishomaru was lured in, and Inuyasha was lured in. To both come at the same time to this castle, and um, Inuyasha's like, "Why would I bother?" But it's not too good. Gomez is kidnapped. That he's like, "Okay, well now, now I'm bothered." That's pretty much. That's pretty much what it is. Um, and then he follows their scent, but then he loses it. And Kagura also follows them too. He gets the not uh, not Kagura, Koga. Koga gets the scent too, and he follows them, but they end up losing it. And um. It wasn't until Inyasha broke the barrier that he was able to get into the the fortress, basically, to um, retrieve Gagome. The next episode, target Shishomaru and Inyasha. Inyasha breaks into the barrier of the Panther King tribe using barrier shattering. An attack that can shatter barriers when the Tesaiga glows red. Shishomaru appears to tell Inyasha to heed his warning of retreat. It is revealed how and why the Panther Devas are seeking revenge originating 50 years ago. Everyone becomes divided and is uh, separately confronted by the Panther Devas. So everyone ends up, like Kagome ends up in the jail cell. She was originally kidnapped, so of course she's held captive somewhere else. And come to find out, all the villagers are in there too. Um, that are they're going to end up being sacrificed. So they're in there, and then like one by one, the party is put in there. There's um, Songo, Miroku, I think Shippo and Kiara ends up in there too. So they all end up separated, and later um, potentially sacrificed. So then it leaves just. Inuyasha and Shishomaru and what the thing was is that they're mad about is that for 50 years ago the panther demons were defeated by Shishomaru and his army um but the dad I think had already fell by then I think he had already died by then but Inuyasha didn't know about it and when Jaken went to retrieve Inyasha, that's when he came back. That's when he found out about what happened with him and him being embedded into that tree. 
So he went back and told Shoshomaru, and, you know, there's nothing really he could do about it. Um, he just thought, like, oh, his brother wasn't going to show up and be here with him. But it's like, no, that's not the case. Like, he's, he dead. You know, so it's just you, and they ended up defeating him. That's why they want revenge, and they're there to actually revive the old king but with these uh, sacrifices. Next episode, the Panther Tribe and the Two Swords of the Fang. The Panther Devas fall back to the castle to begin the resurrection of the Panther King. And when the large crowd of villagers are captured to be sacrificed, Inuyasha arrives and frees the villagers, including Kagome, Miroku, and Sango. However, the Panther King later unexpectedly devours his um, Panther patrons. To revive himself, putting their feelings aside, Shishomaru uses the Tensega to restore the lives of the Panther Devils, while Inyasha uses the Tetsaiga to defeat the life of the Panther King. So yeah, this basically sums it up pretty well. Um, when Inyasha frees the villages, um, the sacrifices... He can no longer be sac- used as sacrifices. So the Panther King um, ends up devouring the souls of the people that worked really hard to revive him. Like, we, we are your faithful servants. Why would you do this to us? Right? So, probably against his better judgment, more than likely, Shishomaru um, uses his Tensaiga. To restore their lives. And Inuyasha uses the Tessaiga to defeat the Panther King. And they just leave him alone after that. Like, like you know what? We're just going to go on our own. Like, he betrayed us. There's no point of fighting with the brothers anymore. Let's just go and live our lives. And that's basically it. Everybody goes their separate ways. <laughs> Next episode. Only you, Sango. Sango is reacquainted with... Uh... Takeda? I believe that's how you say his name, the lord of the Takeda clan, after having first met six years ago, um, he asks that Songo must slay a bear demon haunting the palace, as well as to accept his marriage proposal, while Songo hesitates to decline the marriage proposal. Miroku becomes excitedly envious of her, exceedingly envious of her, however, he tells Songo that she's free to choose, and when questioned by Kagome, he says that he thinks Songo shouldn't refuse a chance to have a normal life. Songo is caught off guard when battling the bear demon. However, Miroku defeats the bear demon through the ritual of exorcism. Uh, Songo ultimately declines marrying the Lord and lets him let and he lets her go with the group. So to get there, um, he recognizes her immediately and she's like, well, the thing is she was actually summoned by the Lord and when they meet up with each other he recognizes her immediately and she doesn't recognize him at all and Miroku is jealous and Kagome sees this as a perfect time like hey you know now is the time to actually confess your feelings to her you know how about you how you feel about her like you we we all know you like her at least I know I know that you like her and she like she needs to go ahead and say something before she runs off with this Lord and Miroku's trying to play it cool. He was like, you know what? Just let her go. Because it's not that I don't care about her. But this is her life. And she should be able to pick whatever she wants. And I think, if I remember it right. That was so funny about how like, Kagome was like, oh, you know, well. 
Oh, okay, who can blame her? Like, you don't, you don't have anything to your name. You're basically homeless. You know, you have not, you have nothing to claim. You know, other than being this monk, this priest, but you're traveling all the time and you don't have anything to offer her. So, you know, you're probably right, which it it doesn't really do anything for her as far as convincing me Roku. He's so focused on this demonic presence and trying to figure out where it's coming from. So when it actually does come to attack the village again and Sanko's fighting the de- the demon, the bear demon, Miroku comes in and actually performs exorcism on it and he finds out where it's actually coming from. So what happened was it attacked before, years ago, but instead of performing a ritual to purify the demon artifacts and give them completely out of the village, the king or the lord at that time wanted to use it as a tourist attraction. He wanted to capitalize on the fact that their um, village had been attacked and saved from, well, I should say rescued from the bear demon and people that come through here, they would use it as a way to make money. So it was never purified. So it would come through, like other bear demons would come through because of the artifacts that were still on the village's property. And like I said, Songo ended up denying the miracle. Because again, there are feelings there between Songo and Miroko, which is neither one of them willing to uh, acknowledge it. But I think they do actually end up acknowledging their feelings for each other. It was like towards the end of the episode, they were sitting on this hill. And it was like more like a really passive-aggressive acknowledgement. And then like, Miroko ends up rubbing her butt and she ends up slapping him again. It's like, dude, just stop being so weird. Just say that you like her and keep it moving. Like, touching up on her butt, touching up on girls' butts is not... It's not going to work. <laughs> like, you got the girl. Like, why are you still doing all this crap? Anyway, uh, Jockin's plan to steal Tatsaiga. Jockin uh, decides to steal Tatsaiga from Iyasha to prove his worth to Shishomaru, recalling how the first two chanced upon after many failed attempts, including that as a sore blacksmith in a hot springs resort manager <laughs> a resort manager is that what you is that how you want to call it? is that what you want to call him a resort manager uh Jagan manages to acquire the sword but he is intercepted by Inyasha to make matters worse Jagan is forced to abandon his attempts entirely when Ren is seized by Kagura so he tries to prove his worth that you know I'm not just a babysitter with Ren because Tashomaru does end up leaving off a couple of times Leaving Jockin to, again, babysit Ren, even though Ren doesn't really need a babysitter because she has that two-headed horse that probably does more for her than Jockin will ever. <laughs> but um, during the episode, there's a flashback as to how Jockin ended up meeting up with Shishomaru. So Jockin is an imp, and he actually um, ruled over an army of other imps. And they were battling with whatever, I guess, whatever demon... And Shishomaru ended up being there. He told everyone to move aside. So the opposing demons, imps, whatever you want to call it, I'm not sure what it was, didn't move. So Shishomaru raised his sword and slashed it down in the air and they ended up getting out of the way. So Jock and his army saw what he did, pretty basically saving their lives. 
even though Shiromo didn't really see it that way. He saw it as, you know, they were in my way, they needed to move. So they don't end up moving on either side and creating a runway for Shishomaru to walk down. And Jockin was just in awe of this man. He left his army. He was like, you know, I'm not your I'm not your general no more. Go follow somebody else. I'm following this man. He is the person I'm now serving. So he follows Shishomaru. Shishomaru doesn't tell him to go away or anything like that. But he follows him and like basically waits on him hand and foot like I want to be your servant like let me serve under you you are a great master so Shishomaru finally acknowledges him he gives him that staff that magical staff he's like I don't know what it does Jaga didn't know what it, how, how to wield the evil but he was like you'll figure it out and Jaga ends up figuring it out and that's how they ended up being together for 50 plus years so then he's like, okay, well, I need to prove myself because he didn't have to take me in. He didn't have to let me serve under him. Let me prove to him that I'm not just a babysitter. So he goes, he finds Inuyasha in the party and tries to steal the Tessaga. First, he tried to steal it um, using um, a demon. I forgot what they called it, but it was one that was full of regret. So he didn't have a face. Um, but it was supposed to be one, like, he went off the war, and he never came back home. Just bitter and, re- and just full of regret of, you know, a life never lived. So, that demon had to try to take the Tessica, but he ended up taking everything else. He ended up taking the jewel shards, he ended up taking the little toy thing that Shippo had, I think some food that they had, but he never ended up taking... The Tetsaiga, which was like, Jockin was like, how would you take everything but that? It doesn't make sense. But the party ended up running back into that demon. They told him to give everything back and go on ahead. Like, he wasn't trying to attack them or anything like that. So they just let him go. And then Jockin figured the only way that he, that Inuyasha would ever give him the sword is if it needed to be polished. So he tried to pass himself off as a sword blacksmith, but Everyone gave up their weapons except Inuyasha because he was skeptical. He's like, why would I? I don't know him. He's just this random guy in the forest. So Jaga ends up, he figures that if he um, works on that boomerang in Miroku's staff, then it should be fine. And even, I think he sharpened Kagome's um, arrows and polished her um a bow too and he was exhausted so by the time they came back for the stuff Jockin was passed out they gave him they um took their stuff back and left and I think he advertised it for free I think that's why the others were like yeah we'll do it and I, I think it was if I'll do it for free the first one and then the rest of you got to pay me for but he was passed out by the time they got there they couldn't even thank him they just left him a note and left so then the um Third attempt was Hot Springs. They call it a Hot Springs Resort Manager. I thought it was really funny. But um, he turned this random pond with rocks around into a Hot Springs. Right? Which made everybody take their clothes off and um, doff their armor and get into Hot Springs. Which, and you know, I should this time he falls for it. Because he ended up regretting not participating with the um, blacksmith. So then Jockin ends up getting the Tessaiga. He ends up getting it and it's great and all. But then Rin 
reappears. And Songo is back on her feet before everyone else. She ends up getting her clothes back on, getting her armor back on, getting Kirara, getting her boomerang, and attacking or attempting to attack Ren in that horse that they're on. So he's like, I gotta deal with that. And he had to, Jocken had to go and save her. So, but then Ren ended up getting back on the ground and um, he threw the Tataiga at her. He was like, take this and go. But then she saw that Jocken was in trouble. So she ended up releasing the Tataiga and grabbing Jocken and they ended up escaping. And he's mad about it. He's like, why would you, you know, why would you come back for me? Why would you come back for me? She's like, you know, I care about you. I'm not going to let them hurt you. Which he's like, you know, very grateful for. He doesn't say it, but you can see in his face that he's grateful that, you know, she cares and that Shishomaru cares too. Because he's just this, why would anybody care about me? But then he's mad because that Tetsaika is going like, I did all this for what? Just for you to to drop it? Right? So he's mad about that. They end up getting back on the ground. He's mad about it. But then, like, Ren ends up, Ren ends up getting kidnapped. It's like, holy crap, by Kagura. So, like, oh, now I gotta find Shizumaru and let him know, like, oh my god, like, I lost Ren. Kagura ended up taking her. So, that's what ends up happening in the next episode. Also, um, Kagome is the only one that noticed. I think Sango only saw the horse. Like, she only recognized Jaken and Shizumaru's. Uh, Steed, he didn't see even see the girl, he didn't even see Ren on the horse, right? I think Kagome was the only one that noticed, and she knows she mentions it too at the end of the episode. She was like, I don't think anybody even noticed the little girl, the little human girl, from what I could tell. So, yeah, the uh, next episode, Shishomaru and the adu- uh, abducted Ren. Shishomaru receives an ultimatum for Naraku, who threatens to who threatens the safety of Ren. For the death of Inuyasha, to which he finally enters in, the, in his castle. Shishomaru faces off against Naraku, but is underwear that Naraku plans to absorb him. Kagome uh, a shard, pursues a shard of the Shikon Jewel, which is likely embedded in Kohaku, who is ordered to guard Ren. Inuyasha is blocked off by Kagura, who half-heartedly tried to fight him since she desires Inuyasha to kill Naraku and free her from his grasp. So he, Naraku approaches Shishomaru again, but it's actually like his puppet thing, like his fake. He, he, was, he never left his castle. But he's like, you know, I will give Ren back if you kill Inuyasha, right? Obviously, Shishomaru is like, no, like you're not going to sit here and tell me what to do. You've already tricked me before. Like, I've lost an arm because of your schemes. Like, I'm not listening to anything you say. So he ends up going into the castle and Naraku's castle and fighting Naraku. And Naraku's plan, like it says, is that he plans on absorbing him. So it doesn't matter how much he cuts into him, how many pieces he hacks off. Those pieces are becoming stronger and stronger. So by the time I strike to attack Shishamaru, he's going to be absorbed into my body. Obviously, he doesn't know that yet. So then, um, we go to Ren. She wakes up and is in this hut with Kohaku, who's, like, sitting in his corner. And they chat a little bit. See, he, he calls a bit of a chatterbox, right? She was mute for years. Like, she has a lot to say. Let her say it, right? 
through. That's basically what he does. And they end up forming a bond with each other. And he wants her not to go out because there's demons out there. So she stays in there with him. But it's not until Songo and the party arrive that he's like on guard. Um, and uh, Kagura ends up ha handling it too. Like She kind of like half-heartedly fights them. But then the demons come. She's like, I'll let them deal with it. I'll let the demons um, deal with them. So I don't have to, right? So then, um, she goes back to, I think she went back to the castle, right? I think she went back to the castle after to go see the fight because she wanted to see the battle between Inuyasha and Shishomaru because Inuyasha ended up getting through the barrier, which I don't think is in this episode. It may be in this episode. I'm not really sure. It may be in the next one, but he does end up doing the barrier. So she wanted to go back to see that. And um, Kohaku and Ren end up escaping out of the hut during the battle with the with the demons. Uh, vanishing point, Naraku disappears. This is the, from what I believe, is the uh, last episode of season three. Um, after Shishomaru is engulfed by Naraku, Inuyasha suddenly arrives to release him. He broke the barrier. Um, Naraku is seriously wounded by both of them, however, until their sibling rivalry gets the better of them. The fight is halted when Naraku remotely orders Kohaku to kill, uh, his, his new best friend. I don't know why I say his best friend, Ren. His new best friend, Ren. Shishomaru rushes to prevent Ren from being killed, while Inuyasha simultaneously attempts to prevent Kohaku from being killed by Shishomaru. So, Inuyasha gets there, breaks the barrier. At that point, Shishomaru was already being consumed by Naraku, but it was like a separate thing. It wasn't even in his actual body, which I think is what saved him. I kind of think uh, Shishomaru knew in a way. Like, he didn't seem surprised by any of He didn't try to fight it off, even, which was weird. I guess he figured if he tried to fight it off, it's almost like quicksand. If you try to fight it off, it's going to make it worse. So he didn't really fight it off, but I think he would have gotten out of it regardless. So when Inuyasha got there, he started to use the Windscar, Backslash Wave, and all these new fancy moves that he learned. Um, he was able to get his brother out of it. He was able to get Shishoma of it. But the thing was, once Shishoma was free from the Raku's grasp, he was like, oh, I'm going to kill him. Like, he's done a bunch of stuff to me. I'm going to kill him. I was like, Inuyasha is like, no he's the reason why a lot of this is even happening with my life. You know, you only had like one or two encounters with him. You know, he's destroyed my entire life. You know, let me kill him. So they're both fighting over who's going to kill him. And he's, the rock was able to slip away. Much to Kagura's disappointment. She's like, you know, when are you supposed to kill him today? Now I'll wait till, you know, a little bit longer for you to do it. But, um, when he, when Naraku escapes, he telepathically, I guess you can say, tells Kohaku to kill Ren. So he, he ends up, Kohaku ends up taking Ren out to this field, shoving her to the ground. Um, I think he does attack her with his hook sword thing, knife thing, but she ends up falling unconscious. Like, just the sheer thought of it hitting her made her faint, right? So then, um, Shishomaru ends up getting out. He rushes, 
Oh, like he he gets there so damn fast to run, and um, I think Kohaku does try to attack Shishomaru, but it's futile. Like it's really no point. And um, he ends up Shishomaru ends up getting Kohaku by the neck, and he's like, if I squeeze hard enough, I will snap it, right? But Inuyasha ends up getting that. He's like pleading with uh, Shishomaru, like, don't, don't kill him. Like he's being controlled by Naraku. He doesn't matter to him. Like if you kill him, it, it's fine. Or if you let him go, he's just gonna be his puppet again. It doesn't really matter to him. Like leave him alone. But the thing is, Shishomaru ends up letting him go anyway because he knows that um, Kuhaku is. Just another one of Naraku's little tricks. Like, it's what Naraku wants him to do. He's not going to play by his rules. So he kind of lets him go. And he doesn't order Rin to follow behind him. But when she wakes up, she kind of, like, sees him. She's really happy. And he just ends up walking away. It's like, you, it's like she knows, like, when I move, you need to move. When I'm ready to go, you need to be ready to go, too. And I'm like, what kind of relationship is that? I mean, she's only like nine, right? She's like eight or nine years old, but I guess it works. So that's pretty much what happens and everything. And they're all kind of weird. They're like, they all meet back up again. The party meets back up again. And they're like, who is this little girl that's with him? Like, he despises human beings. He's always, always despised human beings. Like, he was willing to kill Naraku for Ren. Like, he was willing to kill... Kohaku for Ren. He was willing to go full demon and for Ren. Like, who is this little girl? I don't think they knew her name because he didn't mention her name. I think he did it on purpose because I don't think he wanted them to know who she was. But she knew who he was. And Kagome witnessed that Jockin was willing to fight for her too. So there's something going on with this little girl that they don't know about yet. But we're going to find more and more about their connection with each other. Especially now since with the sequel coming out in the fall. Yeah, we're definitely going to find more about what's happening with them. Version on Hulu. Um, from Wikipedia, there's another episode of season three. But on Hulu, it's actually the first episode of season four. I think it's like the age, the, the gap between the ages or something like that. But we'll just pick that up um, for season four. Um, not a lot. It wasn't a lot that happened. It was. It kind of felt almost like a filler season in a way with a lot of um, filler episodes. Not a whole lot, but a lot. Of, a big chunk of it, or chunks, I should say, were like three or four episodes of a continuing issue, which, um, again, is something that I don't really like about anime. It's it's just like it continues on and on and on for three or four, maybe even five episodes. Some anime is like almost half this not half but like a quarter of the season it's an ongoing issue that could have been resolved in like two episodes maybe even three but this was set in the early 2000s you know anime today i'm not really sure i've been watching a lot of old anime but yeah um i think after this i'm gonna take a little bit of a break from inuyasha just to watch something else um just to take my mind off of it but like I said, the Sulia News spinoff I just heard maybe a couple of weeks ago of Inuyasha and Shishamaru's daughters. So 
yeah, everyone's probably more than likely definitely heading back into Inuyasha, so I'm glad I got my three seasons in early while everyone's starting to rewatch the first one or two, maybe even three seasons of the show. Um, thanks for listening again. This has been KS Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdberg Yes, Thank you.